Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. And it's Tiger chasing him down the right-hand side. Tiger. Oh, yes, he's taken his leg off and he's eating it. Incredible things. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra. As always, with James from Gunnerblog. James, good morning. How are you? I'm all right. How are you doing? I'm okay. Think you know, just chugging along in this uh, this mad world we're in right now. Yeah, I've I've got a bit of a sore throat this morning, and obviously that's not one of the big symptoms. But every time anything is less than a hundred percent, I'm like, oh dear, here we go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm I'm staying away from the microphone here just in case you're, <laughs> you're transmittable. No, uh, yeah, look, it it is one of those things um, where if any little bit of you starts to ache or or whatever, you're you're immediately thinking of that. And uh, mm. I suppose the first thing to say this morning is I hope everybody out there is doing okay and uh, safe and well, and all you and yours are 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 okay. Um, I know it is going to be a thing that's going to affect people in many, many ways. We think about the virus itself and the illness itself, but just the various ways that this is going to impact society are, are I don't think we're even getting or coming to terms with that. So, you know, whatever's going on with you, I hope you're well um, uh, and keeping well and doing what you need to do to stay well in in body and mind. And, you know, we're here, we're doing our bit. Um, you know, if you need someone to talk to, there's always the website, the, the arses, and you can pop in and say hello to people and chat a bit about Arsenal or whatever it is to keep yourself going. Uh, I hope you're managing to do it. Um, so there. Yeah, I, I second that. Nothing to add, really, but okay. I completely agree. The other, mean, go on, sorry. Go I was on. just, just going to say that, we, you know, I have some words here from from probably the finest philosopher of our times. Can you guess who that is? I'll give you three guesses to see if you can guess who it is. Uh, of our times. Mm. I mean, I've got a funny feeling it's going to be Harry Kane. Is it's that not, correct? It's not. Oh, okay. Um, finest philosopher of our times. I mean, Arsene Wenger, of course. No, Great not him. Mind. Not him. That's two guesses, but it is a footballer. It is a footballer. Mm. Um, Phil Neville. Not Phil Neville. Three very good guesses, James. It is, of course... Mickey. <laughs> and Mickey says... My friend, you need to have a dream and you need to do everything to achieve it. That is the way I achieve all my success. If that doesn't get us through... Listen, that, that, I mean, if we want success, if we want our success to be as good as Mickey's, then we just need to follow our dreams. Exactly. Everybody needs their Mickey success, you know? Mickey. <laughs> So um, tell me this and tell me no more. Uh, 
Joe Exotic. Yeah. The Tiger King. Yeah. That fucking show was mental. <laughs> mental. Do you know what it reminded me of? What? There's another show that people watch and have been watching recently um, called Succession. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I watched that show for about six episodes and then I stopped because every single person in it was irredeemably awful. I just couldn't sure. cope with the awfulness of everyone. But the Tiger King show was even everybody in that program was abhorrent, a truly mm. despicable human being. The only one I think who was who was kind of all right was the guy, the no legs, um, no legs, Matthew McConaughey. No legs, McGee. Yeah, yeah. No legs, he, Matthew he, McConaughey. He looked exactly like. Yeah. No, not Matthew. Was it Matthew McConaughey? Yeah, I think it, it is, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He, he seemed like a nice guy. He said, you know, well, you know, comparatively, relatively, compared to the rest of them. Sure. Where were all Judge their- Judge a man by his character. Yeah. Where were all their name. teeth? Where were all the teeth? Well, I think that's what meth will do to you, from what I understand. Mm. Uh, but yeah, an extraordinary- so, I mean, I, I was going to say, uh, sorry if you haven't seen it, but I mean, if you're at home, you've seen it, haven't you? Yeah. And, if, uh, and everyone's at home. Everyone's seen it, surely. If you haven't seen it, see it. Because it is, it's mad, isn't it? It is mad. It's sort of like, I was like, I don't know if I want to watch this. Uh, because I sort of, you know, some of it was quite, I don't like cruelty to animals in any way. And I, sure. I thought it might be a bit more heavy on that side of things. It's and not too heavy on that. There are, some, there are some bits which aren't great, in fairness. But mm. you start off and you go, <laughs> this guy, this guy's what a character. What a character this guy is. And then by the end of it, you're like, fuck this is too dark. He mm. deserves to be where he is. It's it's sort of a bit like Succession in some ways. It's sort of almost uh, like it's high drama. Like it's almost Shakespearean. Like everyone in it has got a motivation and they're trying to fuck somebody over. And it's, yeah, incredible. Incredible to watch it play out. Very well told story as well. It is. Yeah, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's about a guy who has a uh, um, a zoo full of big cats, tigers and lions yeah. and stuff like that. But, but I mean, the music? The music? Yeah, I know. I mean, he is a really bad human being, but he's even worse at miming to to those songs. I, I they they're not even his songs. I, I can't uh, mock someone too much who's like a lunatic who puts out videos of them singing on That's the internet. That's true. I, I, people, <laughs> that my is glass true. house but would least, shatter around me. At least you do your own. At least you do your own singing. He, you know, much. he he didn't do his own singing. He was like a fucking redneck tiger man, Milli Vanilli. He was, yeah. And who's the real hero? Who's the guy singing? That's what we need to find out. Yeah. We need to identify that person and celebrate them. Um, but yeah, it, 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 I mean, even the nice people, there aren't really nice people in it. That's the thing. No. I mean, we've all, all kinds of people asking us about the woman in Florida. Yeah. Did she do the thing? Did she do it, James? Do you think she did it? I I mean I I don't know but I think she did do the thing. I wouldn't put it past her. Certainly. There's something off about her. There Let's put it like that. There definitely is her and the, and the husband there's something really well, What did she say? She's always like, "Hey, all you cool cats and kittens." Cool cats and kittens out there? Uh, yeah. yeah. Ooh. I mean, listen. I could understand someone being motivated to do her mischief. <laughs> 
She was, <laughs> she was irritating. She was. I mean, I do think your man went probably a little too far at times. I think in maybe terms of what a he touch said. too far. You maybe know, a touch. Just in terms of if you are planning on doing somebody a mischief, as you said, it wouldn't be a good idea. Like, imagine if we were talking about somebody uh, on this podcast and how mm. we were going to, uh, you know... Uh, make make trouble dispose for them. them, dispose of them. I mean, I'm trying. Murder to probably them. have done in the past, <laughs> but <laughs> there are a few people who, if they disappear, will be prime suspects. Uh-oh. I suspect. Like, um, who are you thinking of here? I mean, some of them have played for Arsenal, but I, I, yeah, Mickey. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a concern. Where is he actually? He has disappeared. He's in Rome. He's in Rome. <laughs> Isn't he? He plays he? for Roma. I don't know. I think so. He's in Rome, so. yeah. Has yeah. anyone seen him? Well, it, no, but no one's going out there. Oh, that's so. true. How, how would you know? This is a great time to get rid of people. Exactly. M- murderers <laughs> must be... Any murderers listening? Now's the time. Yeah. You'll never know. You People won't be noticed. C- listen, this can I ask dark. you a question yeah, about on. the Tiger King? Have you ever wanted to own a tiger? No. Do you understand it? Well, they're fucking amazing. Like tigers are 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 amazing. They really are. They're the most beautiful looking animals, I think. Um, and they're majestic. I just kind of feel that, you know, a cage isn't necessarily the best place for for a tiger. I agree. And the the other thing I can't get on board with and there's a lot of this going on is people getting in cages with tigers and bears. I just, I can't understand. I know it must be a sort of power trip to exert that sort of, you Mm. know, influence and control over an exotic, powerful animal. But, yeah, I think it speaks to a sort of a madness, really. Yeah. And when you look at the people who are involved in the keeping of uh, big cats or, or these kind of private zoos, they're all disgusting. Like, in their own special ways, they're all absolute cunts. Well, uh, John Ronson, who wrote the book... Does, the he, have a, test, does he have a, a, he's a, got a private zoo, zoo? Full of tigers. Wow. Absolutely chock he full never of told me that. Yeah. No, actually, <laughs> uh, he, he wrote the book The Psychopath Test, of course. Yes. And he was t- tweeting earlier this week about uh, how he discovered that psychopaths tend to have a, a fascination with these kinds of exotic animals. He, it was a trend that he had observed in researching the book. Wow. Um, so there you go. And that it makes sense. comes to fruition, let's say, in this documentary. Yeah. John doesn't have a private zoo filled with tigers. He does, no, he does have two lovely dogs that he posts pictures of on, on Instagram, though. So, uh, so give him a follow for that. That's yeah. all right. You're allowed dogs. Yeah. That's fine. You are allowed dogs. Um, so, so... <laughs> In other news. In other news, um, what's happening from a football point of view? Well, the, of course, the plot, Andrew. Oh, the plot. The nefarious conspiracy. Gunpowder, treason and Champions League qualification. Man City believe that Arsenal have got it in for them. That's right. Raul Sanyehi is the mastermind behind this. You know for sure it's Raul, right? I mean, the thing is... We probably are behind it, aren't we? Like, we probably are going, yeah, they broke the rules. Can we please be in the Champions League? I sort of think it'd be weird if we... Raul wouldn't be doing his job if he wasn't doing that. Yeah, like, I, I'm I'm okay with it. 
Yeah, I'm okay. I'm fine with it too. I'm fine with it. You know, I think it's, uh, I think it's right and proper. You know, just because the world has gone to hell in the handbasket doesn't mean that justice and what's right has to go by the wayside. If anything, we should be we we should be fighting for more justice. I agree. I mean, I uh, this is a cynical thing to say, but I genuinely, when all this happened and there was all talk about the season being cancelled, blah blah blah. I did think, oh, this is great for Man City. I think their whole, you know, literally breaking the rules bit is probably going to get overlooked or mm. pushed to one side. But, you know, why should it? And the only people it's awkward for, really, uh, is Mikel Arteta and Pep Guardiola. You know, next time they go for tapas together... Which would be a while. Be like, it's going to be else, a while. You know, very true. Six months down the line, they'll sort of say, how to be like, I'm oh, sorry, Pep. But, you know, a man's mm. got to do what a man's got to do. For sure. And look, you know, you, you have to keep the pressure on the authorities to do the right thing and to make sure that they uphold the, the, the justice that has been handed down. But, you know, I do kind of feel at the same time it's going to be a bit irrelevant. Yeah. Ultimately. I was talking to somebody over the weekend who is a, a doctor in uh, – a&E in the emergency department in a hospital here in, mm. in Dublin, and it was an unrelated matter, but I was just talking to him about uh, what I was talking to him about, and he said, you know, when this coronavirus thing is is over in a year or two's time, blah, 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 and I was like, oh. <laughs> he just casually dropped he that He just kind of dropped it in, and I don't, you know my jaw kind of dropped a little bit because of because of that and he's sort of dealing with it on the on the front lines literally he is an A&E doctor and he's seeing what's happening and and it's not so much you know the the idea of flattening the curve or stopping the spread it's like when this is over when you know we have a vaccine and all the various ways in which this has impacted life and society and health and people and work and, and industry and all those things is slightly back to normal that was his kind of time frame on it so yeah, it's really interesting. There's a very funny thing happening in Britain where, so we have these kind of daily press briefings and there are always questions from the journalists afterwards. And the questions kind of reflect the general concerns and interests of the the public. But the degree of sort of impatience is amazing. So like a week ago, everyone was desperately crying out, you know, why haven't the UK done lockdown? We need to do lockdown. It's really important. Then we went into lockdown on Monday. And, like, by yesterday, we were told then it'll be a minimum of three weeks. Mm. And within six, seven days, questions are like, well, when can we expect this to end then? When is it going to be over? Time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having to spend time with my family. <laughs> and it's children. It's like that. There's children everywhere. <laughs> it's very much like that. Like, after four or five days, it was like... Right, well, we've had a good go at this time. I imagine we'll just get back to normal now. Yeah, fuck it. Let the virus take me. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, look, I do. I've, uh, you know, a, a lot of sympathy for people who are having to, no, genuinely, you know, who are having to deal with a, a full household because, sure. um, yeah, it's it's got to be very difficult and very trying and, you know, difficult for, for everyone. So, you know, do your best out there. But... Yeah, look, it, it is it is one of those things that I think, um, you know, when it comes to football and when it comes to uh, where we go next and, and when we when we start to go there, I don't think it's going to be anywhere near as soon as people think, you know? Um, well, I think particularly, 
on, on the subject of the Champions League, particularly uh, international, you know, European football feels like it's maybe more difficult uh, than domestic football because mm. countries will be in different positions, won't they, in terms of where they're de- how they're dealing with the virus. So, yeah, yeah, I think joining all that up again is potentially risky. Did you see Miguel Delaney's piece today about uh, a possible proposal for how to finish the Premier League? Yeah. Um, remember remember when we said at the start of the show that the Tiger King was mental? Yeah. <laughs> this is fucking even more mental. Yeah. You know what it feels yeah. like to me? It feels like we, uh, they or whatever have sort of gone, well, fuck it. Let's get as dystopian as we can get. Let's have like footballing hunger games. It and does feel like that. It's like the running man, you know, let's put these uh, footballers, let them play against each other in this tournament. I mean, even the idea that like they're going to get everybody uh, quarantined off and that includes officials and cameramen and broadcasters and all mm. that kind of stuff. And we'll just keep them in this bubble and they can play sport for our entertainment. And if and one tigers. or two of them There'll be tigers die- on the pitch <laughs> <Yeah>. as well. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me, but it's a bit like, well, you know, fuck it. We need to be entertained. So these people can be put at risk for our entertainment. It's it's sort of like the running man, in a way. You know, last man standing yeah. wins. You're going to get killed on live television. You're going to die on live television. Uh, the Arsenal team news today. Unfortunately, unfortunately, Lucas Torreira can't play because he's dead. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Matteo Ganduzzi has a hamstring injury. And Matt Macy, he's dead as well. Sorry about that. You know, it's I, just I, yeah. mad. I, I, it doesn't sound feasible to me, and certainly a couple of other people I've spoken to within football share the view that that's probably unrealistic. Um, I, 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 do you have an opinion on a sort of what will happen currently right now? I mean, of course, we we are guessing at this stage. Um, I don't really, other than to say I think it's going to be fundamentally different from what it is mm. right now. Um, I, I think. Where do you stand on the should they finish the season debate? The season's finished. It's done. There's no way. You know, should they finish the season? Yeah, if possible. But don't finish. I don't the mean season. within the time frame. I just mean like, do you think there's an obligation to play out the final ten fixtures of that season at some point? Like, if football can start again, does it really matter when those games are played? You know, the, the calendar, as we know it, is is gone. It's finished. Yeah. So, within that sort of frame of reference, there's no reason why you couldn't finish these, or the, the season that we're in right now, before starting a new season. Mm. I think that would be fair. If, if it was doable, um... I don't see why it couldn't happen. But the pressures of, like, you know, declaring a whole season void, I mean, it, it could happen, you know. Uh, we just start again. It's stricken from the record books. But if football is is starting again, you know, why couldn't those games be played? But, uh, you know, it might just be at a domestic level. Like you say, European football might not be, um, might not be a thing. Yeah, I, I I mean, there's a genuine debate of what's worse, Liverpool winning the league or Liverpool fans complaining for the rest of time about the year they didn't win the league. Um, yeah, but, you know. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I think they should try and finish this season at some point simply because 
I think if you don't, I just think it, it I, of course I appreciate the circumstances, but I think the sort of mm. sporting credibility is slightly lost. Uh, yeah. Look, it would suit Arsenal to write this season off. It would be great. Well, yeah. But uh, I, I think you probably try and finish this season at some point and you accept that maybe next season is truncated in some way or you know a different format well it might just it, be domestic football there might not be European football if travel true. restrictions are, are in place um, I mean true. I, I just don't know because I don't quite this thing moves so fast, right? So what's your reality one day within a week can be completely different. Absolutely. You know, so you, when this started, we were talking about, well, football might, pubs are closed for a couple of weeks and then everything's closed and now we're all on lockdown. You're not allowed out of your house, et cetera, et cetera. You know, wh- where does it go next? Um, and then we have to see what the the impact of this is you know, on on the economy, on work, on, you know, industry, people's uh, finances, all of those things. And then I think there are secondary, not secondary, I don't mean to say that these are secondary, but there are other things that we are, um, we are going to have to deal with as communities, as societies. So, for example, um, you cannot hear right now Uh, If you were scheduled, let's say, to get an MRI or an X-ray or anything like that, you can't get one because Mm -hmm. the hospitals are basically closed down for anything that isn't an emergency or COVID-19 related. So what about people who are managing ongoing um, illnesses and health situations who, because of the strain that COVID-19 is going to put on the health service fall victim to that, right? Mm. So they're not directly victims of of the virus itself, but because of the lack of resources, because of the lack of availability of treatment, because of, let's say, something um, getting worse or something spreading without being able to see what it is, people are going to get sick and people are going to, you know, those are, are things that are going to have an impact on, on individuals, on families, on communities, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there are going to be victims of this virus that aren't, you know, uh, direct. direct. Yeah. And those are, you know, things that we always thought were were um, immutable, like even, even um, funerals and, and things like that, um, which can't take place anymore. Um, people's ability to deal with situations and deal with, with grief and deal with loss, uh, you know, those... Those are gone, and I think um, when we come out the far side of this, the world or our perception of the world is going to be quite different. And I do think that while football is something which is really, really important in all of our lives, and that's why I guess most people listening to this are listening to this, it's it's what's brought us together, you know, how... How can we go back to a world where you start talking about selling one human being to, you know, from one organization to another organization for tens and tens and tens of millions of pounds as if this is normal behavior when people are, you know, won't have been in work for months and months and months. And, you know, mm. how, how, do you, how do you get back to that? I don't know that you can. I don't know that you can just say, well, that's all over now. Let's go back to the way it was. Because I think there are lessons to learn from from all this. I think that's true, and I agree with you. 
The only caveat I would offer is that I would say I'm always surprised by people's capacity to just go back to doing what they were doing. Uh, you know, mm. and that's not that's not to be critical, but you know, there is a sort of inherent resilience almost in people that they just revert to type, and we all do it. You know, if I think about say say London for example it's a very different scenario but say being hit by things like terrorist attacks and the way that people quite swiftly afterwards sort of readapt their behavior mm. and crack on sure but isn't uh, isn't that the sort of thing that you 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 absolutely should do right yes it is in yeah, those circumstances yeah. is is that the, the the human spirit is to continue and to to be defiant and not to give in to terrorism but if something like this has come along and it's shown us i think it's it's shown us that that's not always the right response yeah, well no not even that but i think what this thing has shown us is that the way the world is isn't necessarily the way that it should be and i think we can uh, all understand that but you know the way politicians tell you, well, we don't have any money for the health service. Mm. We don't have the money to fund hospitals. We don't have the money to pay doctors and pay nurses and buy equipment and get machinery and, and you know, ha- have more hospitals and, and all that kind of stuff. It's absolute bullshit because, mm. you know, the money is there. They're finding the money to to do all kinds of things that previously they told us, were not possible, you know? So I think we have to look at that and and maybe um, try and uh, adapt to to that kind of a reality where, you know, the, the, the way people should be treated, like it was this uh, applauding the, the healthcare workers. Yeah. The other night, which is, you know, is something that happened here. It's happening in Spain uh, and I'm sure in many other countries happened in the UK. And you have politicians going, bravo, bravo. Um, you know, let's all applaud our, our health service workers. But these are the same politicians who have voted against, you know, giving nurses pay rises. These are the same politicians who have left a health service in a situation. Did you see the thread where there's like a fetish company? Did you see this? I haven't seen this. They no. they they make um, fetish gear, um, you know, for dress up and sure. you know, sexy games and stuff like that. And one of their outfits are like doctor scrubs. And wow, they right. got an emergency call. Please, can we have what you have? Because yeah. our, our doctors and our nurses don't have equipment, and it, it's an astonishing indictment into the way that into the way that that um politicians have have created this environment in which we live in and told us this is the way it has to be and clearly this isn't the way it has to be it can be a different way and it can be a better way and this thing is is awful it's unspeakably awful and tragic but maybe just seeing that you know we've been kind of given a uh, a glimpse behind the curtain if you like so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's. Uh, there was a phrase used a lot in the last election in Britain: uh, the idea of a magic money tree. You know, there isn't a yeah. magic money tree, um, but you know, there kind of is. I mean, you know, there's a degree of sort of quantitative easing happening, but you can you can fund stuff if you want to, mm. uh, and yeah, I think financially, 
football is going to be in a completely new yeah. realm. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I mean, you know, we've seen players taking temporary pay cuts all around the world. I don't think it's long until even Premier League players are, are doing the same for a start. Yeah, I think so. And and the other reality is is um, football needs an audience. Yeah, football needs an audience, and you're you're going to have to deal with the financial reality of people saying, "Well, can I afford twelve hundred, fifteen hundred, two thousand pounds for my season ticket anymore? Mm. Can I mm. have you know? Can I afford whatever it costs? You know, the sixty, seventy pounds." a month for Sky and BT. Can I afford that? Mm. You know, those are the realities that that uh, people running football are going to have to deal with. Uh, you know, from football clubs to the FA to Premier League, the broadcasters, all of that kind of stuff. You know, it is going to have a serious impact on, on the sport. And the sport needs to learn from it as well. The sport needs to take some lessons. Yeah, definitely. I think there's an opportunity, isn't there, for a bit of course correction here mm. um, to to use yeah to, to look on the bright side, and hopefully football takes it. I mean, I, I do think that you know so many people will have been financially hurt by this crisis uh, that of course it's going to impact on how we consume everything. Football's going to be a part of that. Yeah. So I don't, yeah to get back to your question about what do I think football is going to be like, I just don't know. I don't know. Maybe it'll be simpler. Maybe it'll be better. Maybe it'll be more, more pure, more sporting than marketing. You'd like to think. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think we talked about transfer fees last week, and sort of, you know, will they exist in quite the same way? Mm. But then talking to people this week, uh, you know, lots of people said to me, if the transfer market collapses, that's a disaster for all clubs outside the Premier League because it's a pyramid and, you know, they need to... And many clubs need to sell players in order to mm. function. So there's huge knock-on effects of all these things. Um, and to be honest, most football clubs, from what I understand, are sort of barely in the position yet where they're beginning to deal with this stuff. They're all fighting fires, really, mm. at this point. Yeah, um, I mean, nobody knows... Like, nobody knows what to do because this has never happened before in our lifetime, in our experience. Something that has had such a profound effect on the world and the way we live at a very basic level has never happened before. Mm. You know, um, not in our lifetimes anyway, and I'm sure people who live through world wars and stuff might take umbrage at that. But you know what I mean? There's This is... No, uh, certainly not in our society anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, it's a mad old time, and it, and it's tricky to talk about with that with any sort of sense of being definitive because nobody knows. Nobody knows. We'll just play it by ear. There was football, of course, though during the week. James Thursday night football. Uh, Gunnar Blog versus yes. Arsenal Blog on FIFA. Congratulations! Thank you very much. It was uh, an entertaining way to spend a couple of hours um, playing, and uh, of course uh, for the people watching uh, who you know got their football fix and high quality football. I think it was too. <laughs> In the Arsenal tradition, yeah, it was a beautiful aesthetic. It was uh, display. It was um, Meza Özil scoring loads of goals for both teams. Yes, Mustafi, who you played up front. Yeah, in an attempt, <laughs> in an attempt to rile you, uh, which worked. Unfortunately, it was sort of the motivation you clearly needed. Yeah. to 
come from behind in the series to win. Yeah, like I told you, I pinned it up on the uh, virtual uh, dressing room wall. Lads, I know he's played Mustafi up front. We better show him what's what. Although it did give me an idea for uh, another um, uh, another uh, FIFA matchup. Maybe we could play with all players out of position, if you like. So you can play yeah, yeah. Aubameyang at, at uh, centre-half or whatever. So we'll do that at some point as well, will we? Because I think we are in this for the long haul. We are in it for the long haul, yeah. There's plenty of variations of on that theme mm. that we can look at. So, yeah, yeah. All good. Um, and if you do you know, have nothing better to do, you, <laughs> <laughs> you can watch it back on the, uh, the Arse Blog YouTube channel. It's there. It's uh, youtube.com forward slash arse blog um, and you can sit there and uh, with a glass of I don't know what you would need for that a goblet cyanide. a goblet of cyanide <laughs> yeah this is too much not only do I have family and children I've got to watch this um, yeah uh, yeah it's absolutely uh, I mean look it's it's a thing you know it will pass some time it will it will. Okay, we are going to take a break here and we will come back with part two, your questions and more right after this. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer the questions that you sent to us on Twitter at Gunnerblog and at Arsblog. Also on the Arsblog Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog and on the Arsblog Discord chat server, which you get access to if you are an Arsblog member on Patreon. Do you want to go first? Uh, I'll go first, yeah. Okay. Uh, so this is a question from Rian Vatcher who's at Rianne Vatcher. A very open question, says Rianne, which is good because we've got time to fill. Who was the weirdest Arsenal player and why? The weirdest Arsenal player? Yeah. Like the like an actual weirdo or that it was weird he was an <laughs> Arsenal player? I, I think both can be factors in that. Um, I, I think he means the weirdest, be that in terms of his personality, playing style. Oh... I mean, that's a really good question. I mean, I think um, slightly underrated in his weirdness was Lucas Podolski. Yeah. You know. Expand on that, please. Well, uh, 
when I think of Lucas Podolski, I think of that picture where it's the Arsenal bench and it's a miserable rainy day and they're sitting there, all the subs sitting there looking miserable. I think Nacho Monreal is on the bench as well. Um, And they're all sitting there with their hoods up and they look terrible. They look cold and unhappy. And in the middle of them is Lucas Podolski with the biggest grin you've ever seen on his face. I'm trying to see if I can find that picture. I have it here in front of me. So here's the bench. Coquelin is sitting there beside Podolski. It's Nacho Monreal. It's Theo Walcott. It's Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. There's someone else who I can... Not a bad bench, to be honest. Yeah. I'll send you the picture here on the chat thing. Okay. Here it comes. Uh, Boom, boom, boom. Enter the chat. There we go. Right. Let's have a look. Who's that in the middle? Who's that in the middle? Uh, Is it Vito Minone? Oh, it could be, yeah. It looks a bit like Gary Neville. Yeah, it's either Vito Minone or Gary Neville. (laughs) Yeah, I suspect it's Vito Minone. But then, you know, they're right in the middle. Look Look at Podolsky. Look at him. Having the time of his life. He's like, whatever world he's in is completely different from the rest of them. It doesn't correspond to anybody else's behaviour. No, not at all. You know, has he just thought of something really funny? Or is everything in his world really funny at all times? Yeah, very possibly. And he was quite a weird footballer too, wasn't he, stylistically? Like he could really kick a ball very, very hard? Yeah. But that was it. That's kind of it. (laughs) You know? So I think Podolsky for me would, would be right up there. I mean, I suppose there are other ones where you think like maybe Frimpong, but I think he was just more of a, you know, he had his own very defined personality, which wasn't that you, what you would normally expect from, from a footballer. I'm not sure Mm. it, it made him weird. I mean, I, I think Andreas Sharvin was quite weird. Oh, yes. That's a great shout. Uh, his infamous website where he would do Q&As Oh, they were, they were sensational. Brilliant. Are they still going? Uh, I don't think so. I'm just having a look. There are some, uh, some elements from here. Uh, someone wrote in saying, I'm writing to you for the third time, Andre. I hope it's my lucky one and you answer me. What song do you sing most often in the shower? And he replied, I do not sing in the shower. In fact, I rarely take a shower. I prefer to soak in the tub and think quietly to myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is a lovely image. Uh, Andrea Chauvin in the bath, having to ponder about life. But yeah, I, I think what he was, was another guy who just didn't fit the archetype of what you imagine a footballer to be like. Do you know mm. what I mean? He sort of had a personality and within football that can make you a bit weird, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, he. I think he also was a bit strange. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was, well. you know. I do like some of the, the replies. Uh, let's see. Uh, one of the questions. Have you ever been stung by... <laughs> have you ever been stung by the bees in the forehead or near the eye? And our Shavin's answer is No but I've been stung once in my behind by a bee. I mean... <laughs> it's like he's sort of a, a kind of um, messianic guru figure, isn't it? Sort of mm. dispensing knowledge 
a cult leader, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, look, he's, he's in, he, in Tiger King. I can't believe I forgot him because he's been a, a character on the the podcast for so long as well. So. Well, of course, and yeah. I guess Nicholas Bentner as well. Be remiss not to mention it was yeah. a weird, a bit of a weirdo. I don't mind saying. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm sure there are others out there. I mean, I think you, you can't look beyond uh, Mikel Silvestre for the weirdest, one of the weirdest Arsenal the weirdest players. Sight one of, of the weirdest guys. Yeah, in that's the kit. A, yeah. A very strange. Um, yeah, a very strange one. Okay. Um, be well at Skipper AFC. Who who would win a fight or what would win a fight, a tiger or a lion? And there's a good discussion here. Antisocial Joe, antisocial underscore Joe says a lion because their mane gives them a big advantage. I don't know how that works. How does a mane give you an advantage in a fight? It's something for someone to hang on to. It's like wearing a tie, you know? Yeah. It's like wearing a loose football shirt. Yeah. Remember that sort of period where it's like, we've got to have a tight shirt so no one can grab it. Yeah. You know what would actually win the fight? I mean, it's not a contender, but a liger. God, they're big old things. They really are, Did yeah. Did you see them in the documentary? Yeah, they're they massive. don't look happy though, do they? They don't look happy. No. They're too big and they're not They're not. I mean, right. I don't think they're supposed to be a thing, no. No. But, um, crikey, they, for some reason, they come out massive. Um so, but don't breed ligers, guys. I'm not recommending that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't. Uh, and actually, uh, Lark says a tiger would bash it to bits. Google it. It's happened a few times at zoos, and scientists have debated this for years. Tigers are lone predators and are much faster. Thanks, Lark Exotic. Lark Exotic. Wow, okay. um, uh, I mean, I'm sure Joe Exotic probably he probably streamed that live on the internet it's probably his YouTube account yeah uh, I, I feel like I didn't ask you a question there really um, no it's fine do you want to ask me another one I've yeah. got one here if no I'll ask you another one uh, Thierry Henrique Thierry Henrique or Thierry Henrik oh I see what he did there he's mm. a fan of uh, Mickey um, he says on the discord by the way uh, what's the strongest lineup the two of you can make using one player for each traditional position, one to 11, who has held that shirt number for Arsenal during the Premier League era? Or if you prefer, what's the weakest, most ridiculous lineup the two of you can make with those conditions? I'm thinking William Gallas as a number 10. So what do you want to do? Strongest? Let's try and do the best, because I think uh, it is the dream, a one to 11. Uh but but with Arsenal, I think there's, you know, you get some debate about number four, you know, what is a number four, what is a number six, blah, blah, blah. But I think let's go five and six as centre-backs, yeah? And then four and eight central midfielders. Okay. Okay. Yeah? I'm good with that. So, number one, well, can it be of all time? It says Premier League era. Okay. Um, in which case, let's say... I think it's got to be David Seaman, doesn't it? Surely, surely. Um, two, well, your options are Lee Dixon, mm-hmm. Hector Bellerin, mm-hmm. not Bakari Sanya. No. Uh, it was always a three, which was, was a bit strange. Strange business. Uh, not Lauren, who was 12. At least there was a two in it. I appreciated that nod to it. Abu Diaby was a two. Uh, he was, but would you play him at right back? No. So, no. I'm going to say Lee Dixon. Uh, you have to say Lee Dixon because you do a I podcast do. with him. You I have do. to. I mean, well, are you going to be... say Lee Dixon? You're going to say definitely yeah, not Lee Dixon. Yeah, no, I'll say Lee Dixon because, you know, I don't want to get you in trouble. Thanks very much. That's okay. But For no, me... in fairness, you know, won, won some medals. 
played some games what? for the Arsenal. So, you know, it's not like we're choosing uh, someone just because you have to. Three. <laughs> uh, no, exactly. Three. I mean, I think it's probably got to be Ashley Cole or Nigel Winterburn. Hasn't it? Yeah. I think if you're trying to pick the best, with all due respect to Nigel Winterburn, it is Ashley Cole. Yeah. Um, And then centre-halves. Centre-halves, okay. I guess I'd go... I might go Koscielny and Adams, five and six. I'm trying to... uh, What's the history of the number six at Arsenal? It was Adams for so long. Hang on, was Koscielny five? Have I made that up? Did he switch from five to six at some point in his career? No, he was six, wasn't he? I've got mm. that wrong. Koscielny was six. Okay, sorry. So, in terms of five, okay. Five. Here's well, where you've got to choose from. Gabrielle. All right. Socrates. Thomas Vermaelen. Yeah. Colo Toure. Martin Keown. Steve Bold. Andy Linegan. Do you know what? Um, Gabriel wasn't number five, was he? Was he? I think he was, yeah. Wow. Uh, Marlin. I think you're going to go for Steve Bold, I bet, aren't you? I'm going to go with Steve Bold, yeah. Let's go with Steve Bold then. And then are you going Adams or Koscielny? Adams. Right, okay. So we're into midfield. Now, you're going to be upset because I don't think we can have Robert Perez left wing. We could play him right wing, though. As a number seven. Uh, so you're saying seven has to be on the right wing? So to my mind... Seven is the right wing and, and 11, 11 is, is the, the left. left. Yeah. So we've been that strict about it. I think so. I think that's the game. But we can still play. And the good news is we can get Andre Santos in as a left winger, which I know you'll be <laughs> itching to do. I think we just have to pick the best. I mean, I don't know why we couldn't have Robert Perez. Why couldn't we have Robert Perez? We can. I Who, think we, well, yeah, let's have Robert Perez. Who else has won seven? Brzezicki? Um, um, Nelson Vivas? Did he wear wow. seven? I think he might have done, you know. Am I making that up? Uh, yeah. I. Oh, Alexis Sanchez. Mmm. Mmm. But he was more That's, of a left. More of a left. Well, so was Perez. Then. Yeah, I know. All right, we'll have Robert Pires. Otherwise, I know we'll, we'll get stuck on this. So we're going to get stuck um, now. There's a big decision, isn't there? There's a there's a number four decision. I, well, I think it's Vieira. What do you think? You do a podcast with him, you've got to pick him. <laughs> we're in the same situation all over again. Uh, Fabregas or Vieira? Oh, oh. I think just in terms of the, the, the impact and, and everything else, you know, it's got to be Vieira. It's got to be Vieira. Okay. Lo- still, love you, still love you, Sask. And then next to him, I think, number eight, Aaron Ramsey, I think. I would go Aaron Ramsey, yeah. So on the left, 11, I mean, Overmars would be a contender. Mm-hmm. Limpar? That's not a bad midfield. Limpar, yeah. Who was better, Limpar or Overmars? I didn't see enough of Limpar to know, really. I like Limpar better. Whether he was better, I don't quite I know. I mean, we didn't mention Rowcastle for seven. I'm sure some that's people true, were thinking yeah. that's... But listen, it's the Arse Blog team. We've got to go, Pires. You think Limpar better? I liked him better. 
Okay. But I think maybe over Mars. But just, yeah. Over Mars maybe left under a bit of a cloud, didn't he? Just a little bit of a cloud. Just sort of down tools a little bit towards the end of that final season. Yeah, yeah. So okay. other other contenders, of course, Mesut Ozil did wear eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, Robin van Persie, Robin van Persie. But let's go Limpar for having sort of a different era. Number ten, we can do this one quickly. Yeah, we'll I wonder who's William Gallas, yes, right? For sure. Burkap, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yes. And now number nine, the, the cursed number, number nine shirt, the accursed number. I think I would go. Nicholas Inelka. Yes, that's what I was thinking. So, Seaman, Dixon, Adams, Bold, Cole, Perez, Fabregas, no, Ramsey. No, Vieira. We have Vieira. Oh, yeah, yeah. Perez, Vieira, Ramsey, Limpar, Burkamp, Inelka. Fuck me, I would watch that team. It's, it's got a lovely nineties feel to it because of the shape and because of the inclusion of like Limpar and Elka. Look at that, the famous you know, the English core at the back. That would be a hell of a team, actually. That would be a fucking great team. Oh my god. Yeah. I would love I would love to watch that team. So there we go. Um should we do the worst one? Yes. Uh the worst number one must be Almunia, I would think. Yeah. Because, yeah. Have you got a history of the squad that was in front of you to clarify anything I guess at here? Yeah, yeah. Hang on. I'll send it through you on the chat. Do hickey here. Okay. So I think, um, unfortunately, in the Premier League era, it's got to be Almunia, hasn't it? It does, rather. It does. Um, um, number two, right back, I guess Diaby is the most ill-suited. Or are we doing the worst player? There haven't been that many number twos. No. Debushi, your contender. I think Debushi is just kind of in there as a as a default option, isn't he? Yeah. I think I think Yeah. Well, it's between Diaby and Debushi, I think, in the Premier League. Mm. Number three. Well, again, Sanya wearing the three is wrong. It's all kinds of wrong. It's wrong, but it, what's the question again? It's the the weakest. Oh, the weakest, okay. Most ridiculous, you know. Uh, probably Kieran Gibbs, isn't it? Prob- Sorry, Kieran Gibbs. Sorry about that. It's just, you know, it's to do with the lack of options here. You know, I, I like uh, Kieran Gibbs because we have the same birthday, me and Kieran Gibbs. Ah. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, it is. I was reminded of Kieran Gibbs because... Arsenal showed the win over Wigan, didn't they, in the FA Cup final? Um, showed whole, Arsenal whole city, whole city. Oh, sorry, yeah. yeah. Wigan was the semi-final. I get confused. Yeah. And Kieran Gibbs with his legendary clearance off the line, of which he made more than one in his Arsenal. Mm. Little last-ditch interventions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, centre halves. Centre halves. Okay. Oh, there's my watch buzzing. Number five four, and well, six. Five and six. Okay. Um, well, I mean, Ian Sally as number five. Yeah, but he's not a, he was a central midfielder, so, you know. Yeah, but wouldn't that make him weak as a centre half? It would, I suppose. I suppose. Or Andy Linnigan. Andy Linnigan. Gabriel. I can't speak with any certainty as to Gabriel, Andy Linnigan was. Maybe. Thomas Vermaelen. Is that unfair on Thomas Vermaelen? 
I think it might be a bit unfair on Thomas Vermeulen. And his cheekbones. It's not going to be Colo, it's not going to be Keown, it's not going to be Bold. Who do you reckon? Gabriel. Okay, I think that's harsh, but... Or who, right. who would you go? Socrates? Well, uh, no, I'd put one of Linegan or Sally and I think they weren't, they, weren't, they weren't up to much. But I don't remember Linegan well enough, so that is harsh from me. <laughs> okay, scored a cup final winning goal, you know. I know, I know. So. Maybe that's harsh. Maybe he was brilliant. Tweet in. Tell me how good was Andy Linegan. He's a plumber <laughs> now, I believe. That's right. Um, number six. Mm. I mean, look, the name Philip Sendorst is there. Do it if you want, James. I'll just bite my tongue. Okay. I don't do it with any pleasure. Sure. Um, number seven, for me, Vivas or Mkhitaryan. There's a recency thing with um, with Mkhitaryan. I don't think we can really ever forgive Nelson Vivas for that match at Leeds where he wasn't marking Jimmy Hasselbank properly. No. So let's get him in there. Let's get, let's him, get in him in there. And, and he can play every position, so, you know, exactly. it's fine. Mickey. <laughs> um, he could be on the bench. Uh, eight. Hmm. I mean, we've had some really good number eights, of course. Have we done Ian number Wright. four? No. El Elmeni? Yeah, because okay. it's a great shirt. I mean, you know, some really good players. Stefan Schwartz, Vieira, Fabregas, mm. Mertzsacker. And then he really sort of ruined the run of number fours. <laughs> um, eight. I mean, the name that's jumping out, just because he never really played for us, is Lasana Diara. Yeah, he, he was, wasn't a bad player, though. He was a good player, but he just didn't, didn't really... Uh, number eight's a good number. It's been like a... Yeah, let's just put Diara in there because he was a little prick. Yeah, but he was probably quite a good player. He was a good uh, player, but I mean, yeah. 11, I mean, Glenn. My Glenn. mate Glenn, Glenn Helder. Yeah, you got to say that, you do a podcast with him. I've got to say it. I've got to say it. Uh, 10. There can be only one 10. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Meza Ozil, yeah? Yeah. No, it's no, William Gallas. <laughs> it's got to be Gallas. William Gallas. I feel 10. like we're applying the rules in a very arbitrary fashion here. But there you go. Uh, and number nine, I mean, there's so much to choose from, but it's got to be Chu Young Park, hasn't it? I think there's a fair battle between him and Julio Baptista, but of course, Baptista did score four goals at, at uh, Anfield, so... Exactly, that could redeem anybody. Slightly, yeah, it's got to be Park. It's got to be Park. Uh, or like uh, I said, um, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. So there you go. There you go. So that was quite a bad team. Yeah. I reckon the first team would win. If you were to play the two of them against each other, I reckon that first team would win. I think they would too. By the way, we talked about him a bit there, Bakary Sanya wearing the old number three. Mm. And a few people asked variations upon this. At AFC Met says, what did you make of Sanya's comments about Cesc Fabregas? For anyone well, who didn't see... Sanya expressed surprise at Sesk's comments uh, to Andrew about only Nasri and Van Persie being sort of, I think, mentally on his level was the mm. phrase. Like, I'm paraphrasing, but something like that. Yeah, I mean, I have to say I was a little surprised at that as well because I know, obviously, that, that Sesk holds Thomas Rosicki in great esteem. 
you know, as a, mm. as a footballer and always thought very highly of him. And I think if you were to go through that team and that era, for me, Sanya is one of the players who, who, who always gave 100%, was fully committed, was consistent at a high level, you know, week in, week out. So I wonder if, though, the comment, the initial comment was just more an oversight, really. Uh, yeah. rather than a damning indictment on everybody. I mean, I do think, you know, some of the things he had to say about players who were going out partying after defeats and and all that kind of stuff were a bit pointed. But, you know, I, I suspect if he were to reflect on those, would probably include Rosicki and, and Sanya in, in players who were, you know, at the required level. Um, the kind of player that if you had more of, you would definitely be more competitive, you know? Mm, so mm. I can understand why Sanya was surprised. Yeah, I can understand that too because he is a glaring omission. Rosicki would be another one. Is there anyone else? I mean, I, I suppose I, I'm slightly surprised that um, I always imagined that Cesc might think very highly of Mathieu Flamini just because they had such a good partnership. Not because he was anything like on his level as a player, but yeah, um, yeah, I, I think they're the obvious ones. Even Koscielny in those days was not quite as consistent and reliable as he became. Yes, I think it's of course. And what did Sescone played a single season with Koscielny, was it? Yeah, I think so. Something like that. One, maybe two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, look, this is what happens. Someone says something and then, you know, there's always an angle. Um, that, that, I, I that think it's... Yeah, sorry, just sorry to interrupt, but mm. I just think it's important to, when people are sort of caught out by they slightly say the wrong thing, if people jump on that and make a big thing of it, I think it really runs the risk of making those people feel like, oh, maybe I won't do that again. And I think that yeah. we have to be a bit forgiving. You know, I, I was involved in a situation once with a really young footballer where he said something uh, about a, a potential transfer that was due to happen. Mm. And... Uh, you know, it could definitely have been spun a certain way, but there was a sort of consensus of don't do that because then he won't speak to the media yeah, yeah, yeah. anymore. And I think that, yeah, I think, you know, we, to an extent, not you and I, but we as fans control how much is made of certain comments, you know? Yeah, of course. And look, you have to uh, consider as well that it's grist for the mill at this moment in time. There's not a lot I going on. Yeah. And, and look, both, uh, you know, as someone who interviews people and as someone who has been interviewed, you know, I can tell you that there are things afterwards that you go, oh, I wish I'd said that. Or uh, sometimes there are things you go, well, I wish I hadn't said that. Um, rarely. But, uh, you know, there are things that when you think about the interview, I wish I'd asked that question or I wish I'd followed up with that question when you hear it back a second time. And I know, you know, certainly there are things um, from the Sesk interview and, and, you know, he said it himself. There are loads more things we could have talked about and, and loads more things that he could have said so you know when you go back and you listen to it again you go oh I probably should have included that person in that so you know it's a bit storm in a teacup really that whole thing for me so mm, yeah so, I yeah. agree uh, over to you oh over to me um, Communal Electric who's at Oblurov says what's your favourite football like game that you'd play at school that could also be played in a small garden or a house I'm thinking examples like foot cricket foot tennis heads volleys beats variants of handball doubles etc so this is very easy for me so myself and my brother and a couple of mates um, David Rudnick was one of those mates oh yeah you know a bit good we footballer used to play very good footballer. We I've used to kicked him a few times. Yeah, yeah. Play um, 
well, what we called 60 seconds, which is, as far as I understand it, is the same as headers and volleys. Um, but I'll, I'll lay out the rules in case there's any doubt. So essentially, a goalkeeper is uh, counting down from 60 and uh, you have to score uh, one header or volley collectively outfield to get through round one. And right. then round two begins and they count again and you've got to score two. And it's how you've how got to try rounds? and get through as many rounds, essentially, yeah. Um, and if the goalie touches the ball, the clock stops. So if the goalie's holding the ball or it only starts when you, okay. the attackers, have the ball. And it's it was great fun and we just played that Religiously, mm. to be honest. Okay. What about you? Um, I guess the the one that we used to play quite a lot, you know, was three and in. Yeah. So yeah, you yeah, yeah. you know you had to score three goals and then you went in goal. It was your is that cooperative goal. or is that like you're against each other? I think if I remember, you're against each other. Right. I think I can't quite remember. It's been so long since I played. It was very much a game, you know, you played as kids. Um, Did you ever play something called Wembley doubles or Wembley singles? That was a big thing when I was a kid. What? Explain that to me. So, like, Wembley doubles would be one person's in goal yeah. and then outfield there are teams of two competing all to score in the same goal. Yeah, I think so. I think so, yeah. yeah. It wasn't called Wembley doubles because, you know, not over here. Sure. No, um, no. Yeah, I think we probably played all kinds of variations of, of that kind of stuff. Whatever you needed to do to get some kind of competitive game going, uh, we would do. And, you know, uh, back garden football, me and the Mug Smasher used to play, you know, one end, one end of the garden to the other. And this was not when we lived in the, the hotel. This was in a back garden, a fairly small back garden in Dublin. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's, suffice to say, my mother did not like it when her hydrangea got bashed to bits by a football. Um, yeah, you know, her yeah. plants took a hell of a beating. A hell of a beating. It's, so. it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a tough one for any mums out there. Yeah. I, um, me and my brother used to also, this is quite nerdy, but we used to, on a Saturday or Sunday, we would get all the games and we would, the two of us sort of like play out the fixtures you know, with, with full commentary from my brother. So uh, we would sort of pretend to be everybody that Saturday and, like, figure out what we thought <laughs> the scores were going to be uh, and, like, fully, fully re like, not reenact, but pre-enact uh, all the games. Isn't it one uh, of the worst things about growing old that you no longer commentate out loud yeah. on the football as you're playing it? Imagine as, you know, imagine if you just kept kept doing that imagine Premier League footballers doing it now <laughs> mic'd as up. they go yeah mic'd up and it's Obama Yang down the left Obama Yang he's gonna he's gonna go Obama Yang scores <laughs> that'd be amazing yeah. and I used to really um, I used to be really hot on the idea that you had to play like the players so like if my brother was being I don't know John Jensen and then smashed it in from 25 yards I'd be like well no he doesn't score you can't have a shot when you're being John Jensen you've got to <laughs> do you know what I mean it was really yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I was really like a stickler for authenticity um, yeah great times I, and we did a lot of like crossing into the box and my brother just heading it which to be honest 
since all the dementia studies have come out, he's really perturbed about. But I think he's going to he? be all right. Yeah, come yeah. on. The football, the football, uh, the footballs that you used in your day as kids would not have been the heavy leather things. Um, no, no, no. Far from it. Far yeah, from I mean, it. I, I remember even when I was a kid, the footballs, like if you had a leather football, it was like, whoa, he's got a leather right. ball. He's got, because you used to get like the 199p, what were they called? You know the ones that would like fly all over the place. Oh you yeah, the ones the news agent, the orange just ones, take a different direction. Yeah, 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 yeah cup yeah. champion or whatever they were called those, those footballs. But but footballs back in the day were were extremely uh, heavy and extremely painful when they hit you, um, as they often did. I remember when I was a kid, probably about ten. I don't know why this was the case, but my dad was refereeing a game at the school uh, that I went to and I either got, oh, I think I got the football, I kicked the football into my ear on a cold, wet day. You know how, how fucking painful that is? It was a proper lasher of a thing. Yeah. And I, can't, I remember losing my rag completely. Like right. red mist. Red mist. Like, he didn't do it on purpose, but the pain was that I was like, I'm going to kill you. My dad, like, just holding me by the collar going, you're not allowed to do that. Um, But the footballs were heavy, really heavy. So you get a lasher in the the ear or you get one in the thigh um, on a cold, wet day. Those footballs really hurt. The ones Mm. nowadays, not at all. Yeah. Well, do you ever have that thing where you played with a ball that had sort of had a hernia, yeah. like where yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the inside would be like poking out. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Desperate times. Desperate times, yeah. I mean, footballs were precious commodities back then. You know, the old cliche, if it's my ball, I'm going home. Because there was always somebody who had a really good football. Uh, exactly, exactly. And that person's invaluable. Mm. However annoying they are to play with, they got a good ball. Yeah. They're always uh, they're always in. I tell you what, um, based on our FIFA showdown the other week, mm-hmm. Arteta Ball on the Discord said, who was your favourite Arsenal player in FIFA 20 to use? Um, Mesut Ozil, maybe, because he scored all the goals. I yeah. think Aubameyang, because he's fast. It's always the fast it's, people. I mean, it? look, that, I was devastated when Theo Walcott left Arsenal. Not necessarily from an Arsenal point of view, but from a FIFA point of view, because, you know, for years, my entire tactic in FIFA was like a one-two and put Theo Walcott down the right-hand side and just let him zoom into the box, Uh, which says a lot about my skills on the game, of course. But Mm. the fast ones are always good. There was, I do remember, was it Pro Evolution Soccer 2 that when you you, um, executed the perfect through ball, it was like a thing of beauty. I, I, I can't yeah. quite explain how good it was. That if you got the pass right and your guy just went in behind, it was like you could do it, you know, occasionally because it was such a difficult thing to do. But when it came off, um, but now you're just sort of reliant on the, on the pace, I think. Yeah, it's a Bamiang for me as well. I mean, I should say Mustafi, right? Because, you know, I made mm. such a feature of it. But no, a Bamiang, just anyone who you can basically knock the ball mm. ahead of you and go with his mm. uh, Barry O'Reilly says, uh, who's at Barry CCR on, uh, sorry, CCR 
on Twitter. Says, other than Ireland and England, obviously, what international teams have you had a soft spot for down the years because of their Arsenal connection? Good question. I mean, I think the Dutch, I have to say, because of Dennis Bergkamp, for one. Mm. But also, like, I sort of, you know, slightly fell in love with, like, the way they played football and the kit and the fans and all of that, really. So I'd probably say Holland, first and foremost. I know we've Mm. had the big association with France, and so, you know, I've always kept an eye out for France. But would you be Spain, having lived there? No, no. Okay. I've always had like a soft spot for Holland on an international yeah. level because I know I've said before the first Arsenal game I really remember is the uh, the 1979 FA Cup final. But I remember vividly watching the 1978 World Cup final between Holland and Argentina and being absolutely devastated that Holland mm-hmm. didn't win. I was so up for Holland. I don't know why. I just was. Um, maybe I just really like orange. I'm like the Rio Miaichi of cones or whatever. Um, yeah, so I've always kind of had a soft spot for Holland um, on an international level. Mm. But, you know, don't really care if that makes sense. Like, I, I like them, but... Yeah, of course. Doesn't... I mean, I, yeah, I, I'm not, you know, cut off about them winning or not, but mm. uh, they would be... The ones I, I mean, think France I mean, '98, you know, with with Vieira and Petit, and then the Euro, the European Championship team, um, as well. You know, the French connection that we had down the years, I think, is would make make you, you know, uh, have a soft spot for France. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the other team that I was thinking of vaguely is Brazil, just because you know when we had Gilberto and he was part of that Brazil team, uh, I enjoyed that. He was good. They were mm. good. Who doesn't like watching Brazil? Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, not not. I mean, look, never France. Weirdly, despite the massive connection, I don't know if it's some sort of Anglo part of me that still harbours some resentment. But yeah. I don't know. Not so much France. All right, your question. If you've got one. my question, um, mm, I don't know. You know, I, I think I've covered a lot of the ones that I had. Uh, oh, this is a similar question, I suppose. I don't think you'll answer this. This is from Queen Guna, who's at SoFire. And they say, if you suddenly woke up in an alternate reality where Arsenal didn't exist, exist, which Premier League team, past or present, do you think you would support? And why? Um, I can't answer that. I just genuinely can't. I would say for me... Watford for you. I guess Watford, yeah. Because I know. guess Watford. I mean, for me, maybe it would be Hull City, but they weren't a Premier League team, you know, when I went to see them, when we lived near Hull. We used to get, you know, my dad used to take me and my brother sometimes to Boothbury Park. What division were they then? Like third or fourth division. Right. And it was, you know, these were not full uh, grounds. There weren't very many people at the match. In as much as you could hear the goalkeeper, I was, uh, I'm pretty sure his name was Tony Norman. Yes, a former professional footballer who played goalkeeper for Hull City. And you could hear him shouting expletives from, the, um, from his goal mouth. In the stand, you could hear him shouting swear words. It was wow. great. 
I really enjoyed that. So they were like third or fourth division back then. So maybe I would have been that. But that's a really difficult question to, to answer. It is hard. Mm. It is hard. Here's uh, one. No, no, you go. I've got a couple just to finish with. Uh, Nick Bright, who's at Nick Bright DJ. DJ. Which Arsenal player would look best with Joe Exotic's mullet? I mean, Sesk used to have it, didn't he? Pretty much. Kind of. I think he even had blonde highlights at the time. Yeah, when he first joined. Um, it's true. I, I've, so I, I've mocked up a couple. What What do you oh, think? Go I'm going to send it to you there on the chat. Have a look. Okay. You can open that up there. So just you can describe to people what you're seeing. So I'm just copying and pasting the link. Here we go. Um, we're loading. Wow. Okay. There's a few options. <laughs> I've got four options. I've got a Bemiang. Bellerin, who of course has shaved his locks uh, in the past few days, um, Mavropanos, who looks he looks really terrifying. Yeah, he looks one hundred percent like he he belongs in that. He show. belongs in that show. He, I, I think I could modify him slightly here if you just bear with me. I would actually say that Meza Erzul looks the most like Joe Exotic. Um, there's something about the his face shape that means that he just kind of matches it for some reason. Um, who who would look the best is the question. I think out of the options you've given me, I think Aubameyang looks the best. <laughs> right, he can just pull off those flowing. Locks. I just think he can pull it off the blonde, the blonde uh, mullet. Um, who do you think? Okay, you like? I, I, I I like Mavropanos, I have to say. I'm going to send you a new image here. Okay. I've changed his name very slightly. Okay. To Konstantinos Metropanos. <laughs> I can imagine what you've done here. And here we go. You can have a look at that. Okay. I mean, something tells me that he's going to have paid the price for that dentally. Yes, he has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, he he does look a bit like the husband character. That was where did he get that giant tooth though? I mean, he hadn't. It was like an enormous tooth, right? It's like he'd lost his teeth, and someone had said, "But here's this here's- shark whale's tooth <laughs> we can give you." <laughs> well, just an like elephant a, tooth. Yeah, we'll just you know file it up a bit, so it's it was a, like a huge tooth. Absolutely enormous. I agree. Um, yes, Mavropanos does look a bit like if you put Mavropanos and. And Meza Erzul next to each other, it would look a bit like Joe and his husband, John, I think. <laughs> Joe and John. <laughs> um, uh, go on, any more questions? Uh, no, I think I think that's probably it for today. I, I mean, that's... we've got to p- tweet these images out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll put them on uh, Twitter and I'll put them in the show notes as well. So you can click through uh, to the various images uh, and right. have a look at those. As they, well. they are sights to behold. They sure are. Okay, well, look. We'll leave it there uh, a little bit later in the week. Uh, we've got a, a new podcast for our Patreon members, a My Arse with Filippo Clare, which is oh, a very interesting chat about uh, football, of course, which people know. But what about music? Do people know 
all about Philippe's music. You can find out if you're a Patreon member, that's coming this week. We'll have more stuff as well um, to keep you going, to keep you entertained, to keep your mind off everything else. We'll do our best uh, in that regard as well. Uh, But for now, we'll leave it there. Thank you as ever for listening. Please do give us a rating or a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as it's now called. That will be great. Uh, We appreciate your reviews there and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.